everyone. Welcome back to the One Link Podcast. I am Brad, and I'm joined by James. What's going on, James? I am doing great. Not a lot going on. We're both just hanging out in the One Link Recording Studio and the One Link OKC Recording Studio. Right. Mine is filled with uh, boxes of stuff for our training, and yours <laughs> is filled with tools. I can see. So that's right. Uh, we're we're kind of like, it's kind of like that scene in Rocky, you know, where he's training. He's in that like sort of real rundown gym, but he's he's going to do it. That's us. We're sort of like the Rocky version of podcasting. Yeah. Next, we need to chase a chicken around or something to be a little more agile. Right. I don't know who Ivan Drago is and all this and out, but <laughs> uh, you know, maybe that's Satan or something. So, anyways. On to today's topic. Yes. We are, both of us are really excited because we're talking about a person who is near and dear to our hearts. We're going to jump a little bit into missions history here and talk about a guy who was significant enough. I named one of my sons after him, and that is Hudson Taylor. Yes. Yes. I mean, I'm going to talk about Hudson today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not just Hudson. We were talking earlier, like we're going to. This one's just Hudson, but we're going to ultimately, we're going to talk about the China Inland Missions uh, over the course of time. It's not going to be a one, two, three, four, five, but you'll get some more histories of some stories, not just of him, but of people that were in the organization that kind of took a similar ethos and went into the hearts of China, uh, reaching all the way to a place very near and dear to your heart. Tell me a little bit, why did you, why'd you name your son after him? I think just our heart for east asian world that he really i mean now with uh obviously he helped launch the or did launch the china inland mission by the help of the lord i guess i should give him Mm -hmm. the credit but but then with that ultimately morphing to omf later i mean that whole asian region has been incredibly impacted by his life and so that you know we have a heart for a number of people groups there one in particular (laughs) that's pretty pretty significant to us and yeah, so when it was time to name kids, we just thought, well, we want our kids to have faith like Hudson Taylor did, and we want them to be people who are willing to risk and lay down, uh, sacrifice, lay down their lives even for the you know, the kingdom of God and, and the ministry of the gospel, and so just have that kind of same heart that he did. So yeah, that that, that was one of the big factors in it. For me, I had this guy give me this book for my birthday when I was in the military, The Spiritual Secret of Hudson Taylor. And real honestly, it looked kind of boring. I didn't know anything about him, but I was going on a long deployment and I took it with me and read it while I was there. And it was it was life changing for me. It didn't it was kind of the first time that part of the world had really come on my radar. But really for years, 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 I would tell people that outside of the Bible, that book was more challenging or his life was more challenging to my faith than any other book I read. I'd say somewhere recently in the last couple of years, it's got replaced by another book that I think about kind of life changing for me. But I mean, just a huge, huge impact. And then I don't know, it, it kind of goes back to our conversation we had the other day about faith versus planning. Hudson Taylor for faith. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. He is definitely a great example of that. Uh, Yeah, I am challenged. I think I'm challenged by him on so many levels. One, the faith element, but two, we just, you know, our missions experiences today feel so tame and and comfortable. I mean, they're not easy. uh, Don't get me wrong. But when you read about the things he went through and those he worked with went through, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Uh, 
faithfulness. So uh, I, I think we need to keep, this is my uh, plug for all you folks out there that maybe think history or mission history is boring. We've got to keep learning from people of the past. They have, sometimes we're doomed to repeat this, you know, similar mistakes, or we can lose perspective that God's been at work in the world. You know, we didn't just come up with missions in the last 20 years. God's been at work and has been using people faithfully and we can learn from them. We can learn a lot from them actually. So anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. James, we're jumping into the, the, uh, main takeaways here before we've even told the story. So let's, let's kind of maybe go back to the beginning here and, uh, lay down a little bit of foundation of what his upbringing was like, all these kind of things. And so I'm going to pitch it to you to give a little gotcha. upbringing history of Hudson Taylor. Yeah. So first Hudson Taylor was a good British man. So I don't know how you say Hudson Taylor with a British accent, but that's how he said it. Let's not try. We're going to put you <laughs> that. So let's just, we need a good accent guy on the podcast, Brad, yeah, just the guy, but he's not on this podcast. So Hudson, uh, born in England. He grew up, his family was a, a faith, a family of faith, but he did not come to faith until he was actually at the age 17. And I'm forgetting at the moment, I can't remember if it was his mother or his sister that committed to like, I'm going to pray for him. And both of them were praying for him faithfully. Uh, I can't remember the exact commitments of it, but I know he, his, his mother was away for a while and, and was praying for him. Then when she came back, found out that he had committed his mm -hmm. life to Christ. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, that does sound familiar. And I believe he had, because sometime he was at home and he was like, you know, I'm going to pick up this track and I'm going to read the story, get the story out of it. And when it gets religious-y, I'll toss it aside. But God convicts him. Uh, he winds up getting saved. He has this, you know, he begins growing in his faith. But he has this, just this expression, I think, of ultimate gratitude to God. And he's, he's expressing what he's expressing. God, I'm just so thankful for like everything that you've done to me. And I would, I would do anything for you. Like if you would tell me something, it would be my greatest, utmost delight to do what you would tell me to do. And, and I would surrender everything. And he said, he feels in his, in his heart at this moment, as though this feeling of, of God saying, okay, I accept your conditions. And then God tells him now, I want you to go for me to China. And so God begins begins putting on, that's his first start on his, uh, putting China on his heart. And and China was around in English missionary societies, like they were thinking about that. But this is where, where God first put him. Let me go back for a second, because I think there's something I don't want to skip over here. And that is the role. Of, you know, it's kind of like a little, little anecdote in a story like, oh, his mom and sister prayed for him. He became a believer. Anyways, on to the real story. Mm. I think we we lose sight of the fact that just in the kingdom of God, there are people who do some very mundane things that don't get a lot of credit that have incredible impact. Mm -hmm. I can just imagine in heaven that there, there's going to be people that it's like, what? You why, why are you being honored? You're no big deal. And it's like they're just their faithfulness was so impactful we didn't even know. Mm -hmm. And so I can't even tell you his mom or sister's name. It's uh, maybe Amelia was his sister, but. You're not going to find any biographies, I don't think, of them. You'll find plenty of Hudson Taylor, but there would be no story of Hudson Taylor's impact without their faithfulness. So I think we have to remember that in this missions endeavor, it's going to take a lot of people doing very, very normal, mundane, not exciting things to have the impact. And so they, they were the ones that really, in some ways, launched his faith by their own faith. Mm -hmm. So 
Not yeah. to belabor that one, but I think listeners, most of you are here in America trying to be faithful. If you're faithful, God will use it for impact, especially mm-hmm. in the area of prayer. Yeah, absolutely. And even if you look, when we we were starting to kind of go through this list, I, I Googled, you know, and found this list of like every China Inland missionary. And a lot of them, there's like no link beside their name for more information, you know, like that's what you got. You know, there's hardly anything known about them. And yet they went and served in incredibly hard places. They did great work. And, you know, God honored and lifted up Hudson Taylor's story where there's other equal people that he could have done. And and he and his good purpose chose to do that. And I think I think it was to spur us on towards good works and good deeds. But that doesn't mean he, he has any less love for the others or that others didn't do as much or more. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. So, so here, oh, let, let me uh, recap you, James. I'm going to pitch it back to you. Um, so you, you, we have this British man. He's from a family of faith. Eventually, through the, the work of his, you know, his family's faith and the, the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes a believer, feels this calling to China. But obviously, there's no China Inland Mission at this point because he hasn't formed it yet. So how did he, what were some of the steps that got him from here to there? So there's actually a lot uh, about his preparation that really impacts me as I think about my own life. Uh, I think it impacts our our organization, our students. Like we talk a lot in, in one link about we make a deep investment into the students. Like there's a lot of ways we could probably do it easier it requires an incredible amount of time, incredible amount of energy, incredible amount of volunteers, but we're investing deeply. We're trying to prepare them deeply. And that's something about Hudson's life that resonates with me as I was uh, studying up and preparing for this podcast is just the, the level of effort that he put into his preparation. And I go back a lot of times in my own mind, I compare service in the kingdom of God to military service. And, you know, that's not without biblical precedent, and I have a little bit of both. So I see it, but you know, like when we, when someone goes to basic training, you know, they join the military, everyone slaps them on the back, their mom cries, <laughs> but you know, like the job, you know, and then you go to go there and you get these people that, that more or less like slap you down, put you in your place physically. They don't abuse you, but physically, I'm going to say physically torture you in the sense of like, do some more push ups, elevate your legs, you know, like <laughs> the stories uh-huh. could go on and on. But it's all in, in the the process of preparing them physically, mentally, emotionally to be able to be prepared to go into combat to where things are going to be harder and more difficult than anything you can imagine. And so there's this big preparation. And what I love about Hudson is like he starts jumping in and he starts preparing because it wasn't like he went immediately. He starts studies. Uh, he starts studying somewhere there. He starts studying medical medical degree because he feels like that will be useful his time in China. One of the things about him that's real interesting is he comes to this discovery. He's, I forget which town he's in. He's working for a doctor. He's living, I think, with some family members. So it's very comfortable, very nice. And he's like, he's like going out and evangelizing and he's doing all these kind of things, but he discovers that his life is too comfortable. He's like, I cannot be comfortable like this and adequately prepare for this life in China where I'm not going to be comfortable. That's a little convicting for me, Brad. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's such a different mentality, James. And you know, you'll have to excuse me if I'm uh, if I'm sort of descending into being a grumpy old man or something. But uh, don't 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 nod. You got your head the old like, part right. 
Uh, goodness, I'm distracting myself. Um, but I, I think we've, um, there is a bit of this sort of attractional model that, that we like in American Christianity, like making things fun and cool. And so people, you know, particularly young people want to come and be a part of it. And, you know, I go to these conferences and they're talking about, ah, you bread, you got to get your, your logo to be real relevant and cool. And, and that's fair enough. I, you know, I'm not against that, but I fear a little bit of this that has kind of creeped into our missions where it's like, it's, it's become very personal preference oriented and like, Hey, imagine yourself, you know, drinking an espresso and sharing the gospel on, you know, in Rome or Paris or whatever. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe that can get people in the door and then God can, can work on them from there. I don't know, but I think we have to be training up laborers who say, I'll go sweep the floor in this place. I will put up with whatever, because I want to see the gospel, whether it, you know, I get to do some cool thing that advances my career or uses my whatever skill. I'm willing to go and do the hard stuff. And I want to keep that in our mobilization, but, um, mm-hmm. it's very countercultural. Yeah, it is. But there's my old man ranting James you for go. you. It's that's your wisdom. Ranting okay. There. Thanks. Thanks for rebreaking that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he actually says, there's this quote uh, in his story that says he's in this time, he says he finding in self-denial and the daily cross a fellowship with his master, nothing else can yield. And that was something I think always attracted me about Hudson. What I want, like, I, I want to know God the way he seemed to know God. Um, and some of that I think can only, only happen by going through being willing to be in the fire with God, to be willing to take risks and be uncomfortable. So what he starts doing is he starts preaching in some of the rough parts of town is described as like, this is a part of town, lots of, lots of drunken brawls and saloons. And like the police don't even go there unless they have three or four of them together, you know, it's just a rough part of town. But he found that with his little bit of medical knowledge and a caring heart, like he got access to a lot of hearts, you know, and then from there he moves out of this house. He moves to a place called Drainside. Now, if that doesn't sound picturesque <laughs> and beautiful. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty rough place to live. Welcome to Drainside, where the people would throw their trash out and wait for the tide to rise and carry it away. Um, and there he finds himself like actually alone. Like, So he's no longer with a family, but he's like alone. And he doesn't have a cell phone to keep him company either. He's like alone, oh. and he's alone with God. And I remember this story, this is a military story in my life. It's kind of one of those salient points signposts in my life. I just got to my unit. It was a unit where it was like, you have to prove yourself before you like belong. And so I'm like on the lowest of the low. They have a three-day weekend, like maybe two weeks after I get there or something. So everyone gets out of there. uh, They can. I don't have anywhere to go. I just got there. And I remember laying on my bed in my, uh, my barracks room and being like, God, like you're, you're literally my best friend because there's no one else that could claim that, that position here. You know, and like, like it's, it, I'm, I'm here with you, you know, and, and you're here with me. And if I don't have you with me, then I don't have anything. And I think, I think Hudson found that as well. Uh, during this time, he figures out that he can, uh, he can cut some salary more, cut, not cut salary, cut his expenses some more, live very frugally and uh, give away more of his income. So he uh-huh. says, uh, I figured out that by doing away with luxuries such as butter, milk, and other luxuries, um, I could give up to two thirds of my income away. Yeah, I don't usually think of those two as luxuries, right? And I, I think our knee-jerk reaction is like, "Well, that's excessive." I mean, you know, in our sort of living your best life, 
<laughs> Christianity mm-hmm. here. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing. Well, there's, you know, let, let's enjoy a little bit of life here, but he was, he was focused on um, a mm-hmm. mission and what he wanted to get done. He wanted to compl- leverage his, so he's not, he's not some sort of weird zealot. I mean, he is, you know, maybe in a sense, weird. he's a weird zealot. He's just, but it uh, just faithful. Yeah. And it wasn't for the purpose of, it wasn't for the purpose of like being looked upon. It wasn't for the purpose of looking down on others. You really don't catch any sense of a judgment of others for not doing it the same way he's doing it. There's definitely a little bit of rebuke towards our super health conscious. Are you getting all your vitamins and minerals? Like his diet, I'm pretty sure every doctor in America today would advise him against. And yet I think he died at about 70. So he did okay uh, in the 1800s. Another great quote at this point in time, it says, one cannot obtain a Christ-like character for nothing. One cannot do a Christ-like work, save it, save it a great price. You know, and if we are going to serve the master, there's going to be a price to pay, I think. And it was at this point in time in his life where he, he picked up this phrase that he wanted to learn to move man through God by prayer alone. To move man through God by prayer alone, and what he was trying to do here is like I want to know, like I'm if I'm if I'm going to go to China, if I'm going to go all the way over there. I, I'm only going to be able to depend on God, and so I need to know. It's not if God is faithful, but it's can I be faithful? Can I can my faith withstand that? Can I can I walk with Him through the flames, if you will? And he knew that faith, you know, faith was the one power that could move mountains, could change men's hearts, could conquer every difficulty. And so he begins these tests. And so the first test, he works. he's working for this doctor, and this doctor is a real kind, gentle man. That's one of my favorite stories. Kind, gentle man. And, and he's like, but he's a little absent-minded. He's like, Hudson, listen, anytime you need your salary, like when it's due, just tell me. Like, I'll forget, and it won't, don't, it won't offend me when you remind me. Please remind me, and I'll pay your salary. And so he decides, hey, I can use this as an opportunity to grow my faith. I'm not going to ask him for my salary. I'm going to pray that God will remind him when my salary's due. And so he he goes along and it, and it's you know he's getting less and less and less and less and less and less and less. And finally he gets to the point where he's down to like this is in British pounds. So I don't know what their units of measurement are. We're going to convert it to Americans. He's down to like a quarter. He's out in this part of town. There's this this sick this man has a really sick wife and he sends Ask Hudson if they'd come and pray with him. And Hudson's like, like, why didn't you call a priest? And he's like, I didn't have the money to call a priest. So I don't know what it costs to call a priest, but he didn't have the money to call a priest. And so Hudson goes up there and the man's like showing him they're like, oh, things are so bad. Like if you have any way to help us, you know, please help us. And and Hudson's thinking about this, this quarter in his pocket. And he's like, oh man, you know, if only I had two dimes and a nickel. Like I, w- I would gladly give him the two dimes and I would just live on the nickel, you know? And, but, but he's like, uh, well, you know, and so he makes excuses and he's like, well, maybe, maybe we should pray, you know? And he's feeling this conviction of God saying, Hey, like giving, giving that to him. And, and he's, he's resisting, you know, well, let's pray. And so he, he bows down to pray and he says, you know, at that point in time in life, like prayer always came easily for me, but I got down to pray and I couldn't like, I, I could, I just stumbled through the prayer. I couldn't hardly get anything out. And, and finally, God says, give it. And so he says, in the, in, the, in the words of a king, there's power. And so he, you know, he gives his quarter to the guy. And the guy's so thankful. And, and he walks down the street, leaves the house. You know, like, like he doesn't have a dime to his name. He has like 
food for breakfast, but that's like all he's got. And uh, he, but he feels this lightness of spirit of knowing like, hey, listen, okay, I obeyed. And he gets home. The next morning, this envelope shows up, mail shows up. It's got a child's glove and I don't know what it was, a 50 cent piece, a dollar piece in it, some bigger piece. You know, so God takes care of him. It's a pretty cool story, but he still doesn't have his salary. So, you know, God, God, you know, that money slowly runs out and he still doesn't have his salary. And now it's getting tighter and he's getting tighter and his money's due. He, he's boarding with an older widow, I think, you know, and she needs his, she needs his money, you know, and he, he gets down, it's due. It's like due the next day. Now it's due. He doesn't have the money. He's like working late at the doctor's place because he's like, man, I don't want to go home and tell this lady I don't have the money to pay her. I could break down. I could just mention it to the doctor. Hey, I, hey, I, I need my salary and he'd pay it. But I would be, I'd kind of be basically admitting that I'm not, I don't have faith. I'm not willing to do this. And so he holds out. And then all of a sudden the doctor's like, say Hudson, isn't your, isn't your salary due? And Hudson's like, uh, and he's like, he said he has, he had his back turned to him. So he couldn't see like his face hidden. And he's like, uh, yeah, it's a little bit over the overdue, but he's relieved, you know? And the doctor's like, ah, oh, I wish you'd have told me earlier. I don't have any cash on me now, but you know, I can get it for you Monday morning. And his heart sinks again. And uh, he keeps working. He's working late because he basically he just doesn't want to go home and face this lady. And all of a sudden the doctor comes in chuckling and he's like, this is the craziest thing happened. This rich patient of mine, uh, said he just felt this overwhelming urge that he just had to settle his bill up with me. And so he brought over some money. Uh, it's not all your salary, but you know, you can have it and I'll get you the rest Monday, you know, and okay. God, God shows he's faithful. You're nodding and smiling. Like, like that's a, a story that meant something in your life. No, I, I just think God takes us through these, these faith adventures to prepare us. So uh, nothing you know, sometimes we'll have uh, these students that are uh, e eager to go or like, yeah, yeah, I, got, I just got to get this college thing knocked out, you know, kind of get through that and I'll go. And boy, every, everything that God wants to do in those moments, we don't want to ever need to rush through these faith journeys. He wants to take us through every small and big thing. Yeah. But I think all, all of this, just thinking about Hudson Taylor's the preparation, both those things he actively did and then just the things that got the faith building things got brought his way uh they were preparing him for this and i think one of the things that we are constantly talking about and trying to advise uh, students and recent grads on is when am i ready you know when have, I, when have i had enough of these experiences that i'm ready to go certainly we believe in preparation before going but we've also seen where people wait and wait and wait and everything has mm -hmm. to be perfect before i could go and and so just that whole issue comes up when I think of Hudson Taylor. It seemed like, well, you know, the Lord's plan was perfect in his life, but it's going to be different for everyone. So I don't know if you have thoughts on that. Yeah, it's a hard balance to strike between people where you're like, dude, what's holding you back? Why are you Why are you not already gone? And then other people where it's like, no, nah, just hold your horses a little bit. You know, like, uh, let's go ahead and finish school. And uh, then, then you can think about going and. It's hard to weigh. I would say seek counsel, seek godly counsel in your life. Seek a multitude of counsel. Don't just seek the people that'll tell you the easy stuff, but seek seek somebody that's willing to take some, that has taken some risk from God, that you want to imitate their way of life and seek a little counsel. Uh, don't be afraid to have an intensive prayer time about it. A friend of mine recently challenged 
uh, me to do some some intensive prayer time is to pray eight times a day about this certain set of things I was praying for for a month, you know, and then take the couple of things God showed you and implement those. Uh, that's a pretty heavy. I mean, I'm trying. That's a pretty heavy burden. But like, don't be afraid to like do that to fast and pray. One of the ladies that used to be on our board named Lisa uh, wound up in her place of service through that. Like, she had several options. She has, I think it was six ladies that were influential in her life to pray about it. She was leaning one way, and like all six of them came to this place, which was also in China. So, yeah, that's that's the that's my ten cents. Uh, some of it, I think you have to analyze yourself. More than two, huh? More than two. That's right. It's inflation. Inflation. <laughs> You're just trying to one up Hudson Taylor. He only had, he didn't even have 10 cents left. But That's anyway, right. That's right. Anyway, if you, if you tend to be like a preparer, then maybe lean a little bit more towards let's take some action. And if you tend to be an action person, maybe lean a little bit more towards preparation. That's uh -huh. the other advice I'd give. From here, we're almost getting him to China. From there, he feels like God wants him to go get like formal medical school. He's been working for a doctor. He gets he gets medical school. And the last school advice, so the, I think it was the London Missionary Society, but it may have been a different society, offers to pay his room and board while he's there to go through med school. And at the same time, his father offers to pay room and board. And so he writes them both, lets him know that he has an offer from both sides and that he'll pray about it for a few days. And in his prayers... What's he decide to do? He writes them both and turns down the offer for both of them, knowing that the both of them will assume that he took the other offer and that we, no one will be worried about him, won't be wringing their hands, but that he will again be cast completely on God and he's not going to take out debt. And he, and he goes like this, you know, and it's trying. He said he walked eight miles a day to and from school. I, I hope that's for each direction and not <laughs> not eight. Oh, I'm a sissy, Brad. <laughs> so it's during this period of time when he finally finally gets to call to China. He doesn't know when it's coming. It's somewhere out in the future. And what actually gets him to China is a is the Taiping Rebellion. And I don't know all the all the stories of the Taiping Rebellion, but the word that they got back in England was, hey, this these and the rebels are Christians. And when I hear that now. It just seems a little naive to me, and it actually makes me think uh, back in the Genghis Khan days, Genghis Khan, as they really say it, something like that. Some people in Europe heard about the, his name and got switched around, and it was a guy named Prester John, and he was this Christian that was you know, punishing at the time. It was all the Muslims in between. You know, He's defeating them, and they were really excited until they come to find out. Actually, no, he's a, just a really great conqueror, and uh, <laughs> he's coming for you too. So sometimes uh, it was a little bit of na naivety on his part, but they kind of basically send him forthwith. And there was a little bit of Christian influence, but the guy was definitely not a Christian. Uh, the Britannica says the rebellion began under the leadership of Hong, Hong Xiao Chuan, a disappointed civil service examination candidate who, influenced by Christian teachings, had a series of visions and believed himself to be the son of God the younger brother of Jesus Christ sent to reform China. So what, what it actually was, is it's a cult. But they send him forthwith. This talks about, man, just the sacrifice. Like we talk about really how easy it is nowadays. Like we just, we don't have any face to show in missionary circles. When we get to heaven, they'll be like, ah, you softies. So he's, he writes his mom and he, he writes this, this note. He's trying to decide, does he make one last trip home before he's set to go? And he says, I almost think it would be easier for us not to meet 
than having met to part again forever. No, no not forever, because we'll meet, you know, in heaven someday. So that's just like a, and I don't know if he went or not. But uh -huh. but it wasn't. It's not like, hey, I'm flying there and I'll Facetime you when I get there. I'm flying there and I'll send you an email. It's like I'm I'm sailing there and I'm likely not to ever see you again. And God is yeah. worth that price. Yeah, there wasn't like a. I'll accrue my uh, stateside time and be back in three years. I mean, this was yeah. Not I mean, I think that that's not to um, yeah, not to little that process but yeah i mean this was there's a there's a pretty serious call going yeah. on yeah it was and we'll see by the end of the episode how long he stays before his first time home but you know it was lottie moon that started pressing the southern baptists for uh, every 10 years to give people a stateside sabbatical so but at that point in time there there really wasn't any so he he sails to shanghai when he gets there no one knows he's there. No one knows his name. He like lands and all he has is like three letters of recommendations to different people. It just seems crazy. And I feel like it said in some place where I read about him, it said like, like there's no record of exactly how he found where he was going to, you know, I just had to be crazy. I can only imagine like the first time I landed overseas, this American guy met me and he took me to the places I needed to go until I knew how to go places myself. But he's not that way. He takes these three letters of recommendations. His first one finds out the guy died at sea on the way. Somebody had known in England, I think. The second one, letter of recommendation he has, the guy just left for America a couple of months before that. So he's down to his third letter of reference. It's like his his worst, his least likely reference. And it winds up being out what works good is with the London Mission, Missionary Society. And he settles in with them. There's a war of some sort rebellion of some sort going on uh it may still been the leftovers of the taiping rebellion going on outside shanghai and so depending on where he's at like bullets may be flying maybe flying outside there was definitely at this point in time in in chinese history especially interactions with europeans there was definitely like a european part of town and a chinese local part of town and the yeah the in fact, multiple multiple different survey they kind of carved up shanghai to different you know, here's the French parters, the British parters, the American part. So it was definitely a segregated community. So that's kind of where he's at. You know, he's in China. He's found a place to stay, uh, but things aren't the very best. That's probably a good place to wrap it up for the day. Uh, the next time we're here, we can talk some more about the society that sent him there, some of the pros and cons of how he how how he is and some of the i'm gonna say some of the cons of his mission society uh and yet how god uses it to further his purposes in hudson's life all right we'll leave him in suspense right what's going to happen to hudson is i that's you right know, we'll we'll talk about it next time yeah that's right if you were going to say one or two things out of this part of his life you would highlight what would those be i think faithfulness, prayer, uh, you know, just his, his preparation was more than filling out applications and things like that. I mean, that's certainly a, a part of how you could get there these days, but he saw every moment leading to this as, uh, I'm going to get ready to become a faithful person. And it reminds me of something Zane Pratt, who's, uh, with the IMB used to say, you can't give away what you don't have. Mm. Uh, and I think he was trying to build in some things, some faith in his life so that he'd have something to give away when he got to 
to China. And so that that's really, I think, significant in his preparation process. Yeah. He wanted to know and experience God. And as as we'll see, like all of these hardships, this discipline training that he prepared himself for, like God uses that. And it's exciting. And so, listeners, we will see you sometime soon. And you can resume and jump in with Hudson Taylor's life with us. Uh, if you haven't ever read it, I highly recommend The Spiritual Secret of Hudson Taylor. It is a wonderful book. Yeah, I'm all for podcasts, obviously. <laughs> Here we are. Mm-hmm. But man, don't don't skip over books and just get do the podcast. There are some incredible books that will build your faith and uh, challenge you. So that that's definitely one of them. It's you know it's not an easy read because it's o- older language in some ways, but mm-hmm. it's a worthwhile read for sure. Yeah, but it's not as old as as uh, Shakespeare, so you can do it. No, 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 uh, <laughs> no, no Shakespearean English. Yeah, good stuff. Well, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate you listening. And we will catch you soon on the One Link Podcast. We'll see you all next time. And if you want to see what the One Link Podcast studio looks like, check out our Facebook page and we'll post it there. 